This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. Duke is currently ranked number 15, and Jack, hold on, I, I'm still looking for it. I can't find it. Jack, I, I can't find <laughs> all it. All the way down to the bottom. All the way at the bottom. Oh, there's, oh, a, there's a one next to yeah, them still. Yeah, that's true. I see one vote. It's just on the wrong side. <laughs> one vote for uh, the other teams to be considered here for North Carolina. Um, you know, this is a Duke basketball podcast, um, but I'd be remiss if I did not say that I have been enjoying the college basketball season thus far. AC, uh, your boys, uh, the Virginia Tech Hokies, you predicted, you predicted that they would win by 15. What happened? They didn't win by 15. Well, I mean, because we, for some reason, we can't end games well. This, this Virginia Tech team has been trash at the end of games this season. They they actually, I, I'm surprised they honestly didn't lose the game. They ended up winning it. Cool. This isn't about them. This is about the baby back bitch. This is about Caleb. I ain't got no love. Dog, I'm telling you, I this is the, the <laughs> Hubert Davis, the Ninja Turtle. All the, fuck them, dude. This is amazing. I, I am. Don't do the Ninja am, Turtles like no. that. Don't do the Ninja Turtles like that. Oh, sure. Uh, that's that's a good point, Jack. No, he's My Kevin Ollie. Yeah, yeah. You that that picture that they tried to recreate recreate with the Dean Smith picture that so they tried to recreate. Dumb. He, I mean, he looks cross-eyed looking at that play, bro. And it's, it's like, it's what it looks like on the floor for them, man. They are sorry. They are so terrible. Man, that's unnecessary pressure and unnecessary expectations on a team that really should not have had them. So stupid, bro. So stupid. Like, that, no, thank you, man. Old macaroni head. Number one, Armando Baycott, I'm telling you, look. They were like, what, say whatever they want to say about him yesterday with the soreness and he's hurt or whatever else. Fuck, I have seen this kid quit on his team before, and he will do it again, and he already has so far. Like he is, he's so soft. I hope he's listening. I hope you. I'm gonna tag you. I'm tagging you, Armando. Please listen to the first two minutes of this podcast. You are soft. You are soft. He's charming. I also go birds. Go birds, baby. Eagles always. You know, Even though he's an Eagles fan, I don't like. I, him. I don't. I don't need or want to hear that, Jack. I had no idea actually. We had this conversation last week, Did man. We? I forgot. That's why he wears the number five. I, I blocked it out of my memory, man. Not even F. McNabb? Yeah. Wow. I blocked it out of my memory. All right. Well, okay. So I wish I could. Empty stash didn't play yesterday against Tech. Um, you know, I'm sure that he still picked up by 14 rebounds or something. But um, that's four straight losses for, for UNC. That's four straight losses for them. Um they well do play, losses, they, they do play Georgia Tech on the tenth, so you know, and then looks like what was it? The Citadel. So, you know, they'll probably win that game. Oh, I'm sure um, they'll be right and, back. And on they'll track. Be, yeah, they'll be right back to in the top ten where they where yeah. they deserve to be, Jack. You know, you said that they would fall out of the top ten by the first of the year. Is that what you said? I believe that's what I said. Um, but you were also right. We're going to do another college basketball. I didn't series. expect them to be out of the top 25. I thought they were going to like that 15 to 25 it's range. So yeah. I mean, but here's the, here's the reality. And, and all joking aside, we predicted this for a very specific reason. The Carolina fans, you know, there are, there are a few that are the exception here, but for the most part, they they completely underestimated the loss of Brady Mann. Like that, mm-hmm. that is something we've been saying for a long time now. And it's true. Like underestimated, as, underestimated loss of Brady Manic and overestimated the ability of Hubert Davis. And also, the, Pete Nance is a center, and they're trying to make him manic. Right, right. And, and he actually hasn't been terrible. Uh, no, he has. No, he's been good. I think day, he's the he's been their best player. 
at the at the yeah he has because I mean we both uh, all three of us you know talked about R.J. Davis he's been a disappointment um, mm-hmm. so that one's kind of surprising to me but Palin Love is who he is so right. you know he's going to jack up you know twenty eight shots and make about thirteen percent of them so mm-hmm. you know that's yeah just... thanks thanks for that uh, that Bama W Caleb <laughs> I'm not even kidding he's the reason they lost that game he's the reason that game went to overtime. Mm-hmm. Caleb yeah. Each of the overtimes. 19, he's averaging 19 points a game. Um, he's shooting 41% from the field mm-hmm. and 26% from three. Yeah. So he's back to threes. his freshman numbers. Exactly. Right. They can't shoot threes. They have no depth. They don't have a coach who can draw anything up. And it, it's it's the same old thing from last year. They just they got hot last year, y'all. Like it's the same like we said. No, before. it was Manic got hot. Right. Right. No, right. The same as UCLA hot. and Juzang and, and Jaime Haka is the worst college player I've ever seen in my life. Like it's He's the a same post thing, up two man. guard. That's just yeah. not a, oh, it's like, terrible, man. It's terrible basketball. And they would have beat UNC if he wasn't playing on two sprained ankles last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. They're trash. Um, They're trash. Anyway. They're trash um, human beings. They're trash team. Trash college. <laughs> Trash part of North Carolina. Hey, 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 chill there. The triangle is a very nice part of North but Carolina. Part of the triangle sucks. Three sides of everything. That's our, that part sucks. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, guys, so I just really quickly, you know, UNC obviously at the bottom of the uh, AP poll this week with one total And the total bottom of the vote. ACC, too. Yeah, they are 0-1. <laughs> now, uh, they're 39th in the NCAA's net rankings. Let's mm-hmm. look all the way down to 361 out of 363. Jack, Jack wanted to go with... Jack had to do it, man. The third worst team in the entirety of Division <laughs> One by net ranking. The University of Louisville. Oof. They stamp. Um, they might not win a game this season. Up. This is actually awful to watch. It's very possible they don't win a game this season. Yeah, we, we I wouldn't be surprised. To give people a little bit of uh, insight here, we have our group chat going, and we have taken so much. I don't think I've ever taken more pleasure in something not UNC failure-related mm-hmm. um, like this. Like, watching Louisville lose every game, and some of them are in just hilarity. Like, some of them are blowouts. But then you get the other one, they're, like, they're looking on buzzer beaters to teams that <laughs> probably are ranked 150-plus. So, I mean, to I'm, be fair, they're ranked 360-plus, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Nolan. I really am. You know, you're our guy. We miss um, you, Nolan. We love you. But, you know. <laughs> Goddamn Jack. Shaq is going It's in. tough. It's tough. Uh, he's one of ours, but uh, he's no longer with us. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll not play it up. We, wanna, we don't want to trash our own guy. Um, so let's talk about. Uh, <laughs> That was my accident too. Well, we need okay. a producer it, for this show. That was totally my accident. It was, it was probably for the best. So let's talk about let's talk about Duke here, right? Um, oh, the podcast. You would see fuck the queen. I think our boy uh, AC's had a had a couple uh, sponsors here, so we are going to try to keep this train <laughs> on the tracks as best we can. Um, you know, Jack and I are going to play the role of the conductor here and try to see if we can get this thing through. Um, Ohio State game. Uh, I thought Duke played, you know, it was a tough game to watch uh, because the officiating was so poor on both ends mm-hmm. that, you know, it was just one of those games that you see that you see where, you know, the, the number of foul calls is so much that there was never any real flow to the game for a huge chunk of it. Um, yeah. But I, I thought Duke really withstood that, played really tough. 
and and Jerry Marroge was just the, the dude. Um, mm-hmm. you know, his numbers don't don't really reflect how hard and how tough he gritted that one out. But he didn't even practice before that game, right? And one one of the things in a game like that, one of those grinded out type games, is being able to go to the interior, and that was. I, I love the fact that we made a concerted effort after after one day of practice to to get the ball to the interior and how effective it was after that. That just shows a the talent of this team. This team is is very talented. Like let's not get it twisted. But also b the work that the coaches have put in again in one day of practice. Like one day of practice, we looked like almost a completely different team from what we looked like at the PK eighty five. So I, I loved seeing that that concerted effort to get it into the interior and. I mean, it's it's changed the trajectory of Derek Lively's season. It's changed how effective Flip is. It's changed how effective Mark Mitchell is, and and Ryan Young is has become has now become like truly a stalwart on this team. Like, yeah, from where I'm like, eh, ten minutes a game is probably the ceiling for this team if that's what Ryan Young is getting us. But not so much anymore, man. I don't I don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah, you know, one thing that I wanted to touch on is 16 assists on 25 made. Field goals. Um, mm-hmm. Jack, we're, we're passing the ball, getting everybody involved. It's not one guy, you know, putting up 22 shots a game and, you know, a lot of watching. You know, that a lot of previous Duke teams, you, you know, it's like the, the famous Coach K line when JJ was JJ there. watching, yeah. JJ watching, right? <laughs> None and of that. So we, don't, we don't have that. So I love the ball movement. And, and credit to Shire as well. We talk about making fun of Hubert Davis not being able to draw anything up. How about Shire making the adjustments, not only in-game, but, you know, coming off the PK, um, lost there, and, you know, making the, the needed adjustments, getting the ball inside. It's just fun to watch. I mean, yeah, the big thing AC pointed out, the team's going to the interior. Duke is an inside-out team this year. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of driving and kicking. That's going to make the team, like, play at its best. You got to get the assists on those driving kicks. Even drives and just dishes inside, like, was it Ohio State? Proctor had that really nice pass. I think that might have been uh, might have been the next game against BC. He drove in. He had a really nice pass. Just wrapped it around a guy into Lively yeah. for a dunk. That really exemplified the ability to just pass on the inside for Duke and how important that's going to be this year. Not to mention, Grandison has seen a lot of open threes in the corner the last few games since the PK eighty five. I think that's mm-hmm. huge. Um, Guys are in spots that are working for them. Exactly. Well, that's, that's the it's, it's also, Mitchell, Mark Mitchell from the corner. Like, oh. yeah. so Mark when he hits it. They should never <laughs> shoot from anywhere other than the corners. Exactly. It's Grandison too, dude. I don't I don't yeah, I think both. Grandison has hit one he I think he's hit ten threes on the season. I swear he's hit one from the wing, and that's it. Right. I'm and, pretty sure and, you're right. Yeah. Um the, but just looking a little bit a little bit more into everything with these guys and this team and how they played recently, it's I mean, Shire's been making some adjustments. The baseline mm-hmm. out of bounds plays have been mm-hmm. incredible. I'm pretty sure Shire was the one who drew up most of the plays on baseline out of bounds last yeah. year. So that's that's something that's gonna continue coming over. But just yep. generally it's and the, I mean, whole, he, the whole team's playing. He so uses much timeouts better. like a veteran coach. I mean the scouts he really you can, does. You can see how we scout, like on with the way our defense plays. You can see the scouting that's being done. Like it's and the scouting is more than just watching tape, right? Like for a first year coach, usually it's like that that coach might not know everybody's tendencies. Like, you know, Co- Coach K knows exactly what Izzo's going to do in exactly what situation. Like if they're down ten, he knows what Izzo's gonna go to. If they're you know, down down eleven or something, he knows what Syracuse and Jim Beheimer is, is gonna do. Like that's something a first year coach usually doesn't have 
the the repertoire for but john shire has like he's already so far proven doesn't matter what you throw at him he knows what you're about to do and he has a counter for it yeah he 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 also coaches with feel you know he does that so well it's just like he played but you mm-hmm. know he had what nine years working with k yeah like he he takes the good parts of k uh and then brings his own twist to it so Wait, but I- he needed to go to Seton Hall so he could get some experience first. Or DePaul, <laughs> go home. Right. I, I will say, though, my, my favorite thing he's done is people have had a lot of complaints about it, but he's rotating the bigs very well to the point mm-hmm. that two of them had four fouls, and I think the two freshmen had four fouls, and Young had three, but you wouldn't know it based on mm-hmm. how they were rotating and how they were able to play against yeah. Ohio State. That big depth and the way that he's using them I think is going to be huge this season. Mm-hmm. That's that's been my favorite takeaway from Coach Shire so far yeah. is the way that he's rotating the bigs after the Kansas game. He struggled toward the end of the Kansas game with proper big rotation, mm-hmm. bit, but since then it's it's been great. Even bringing in Reeves a little bit during that Purdue game, which sure it was a blowout loss, but Reeves worked when he needed to. Mm-hmm. And and that and I'm glad you brought that loss up because. I, th- I think a lot of fans have hung our hat on that loss. It, it just, that goes to show you just how good Purdue is playing right now. Like, and, and the monster like that right Zach Eady right? is doing. Yeah, and, and the monster that Zach Eady is. Like, hats off to him. I wasn't giving him credit. Like, the dude is clearly a difference maker for that team. And nobody else has 7-4 like that in, in the middle doing what he's doing. But, you know, Zed Key was, he was doing the Zed Key, Bonzi Colson impersonation, and we still <sighs> hung in there. Like, we were still... You know, we were still stretching the lead out. We were doing all the things we needed to do. We never, we never really let them get into striking distance where it felt like they were close. Yeah, you know, it was kind of like one of those things where he got his, mm-hmm. um, and it was almost like, okay, we'll allow him, we'll allow him to get his. Mm-hmm. Make it really difficult for him, um, and he saw that with you know the eleven fouls between the bigs, um, some of which were ridiculous. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so they made they made him work for every single one of them. And, you know, no one else really helped him out for Ohio State. And that's a credit to do defense. Do defense is really good. It's really just good. doing and what's his name? The freshman. Oh, um, um, Bryce Sensabaugh. Sensabaugh, yeah. Suing and Sensabaugh, who were like probably the two best players, neither of them scored more than like eight, I think. Mm-hmm. I know Sensabaugh was his first time yeah, so, scoring less so. than 10. He had like four. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I thought, I thought overall it was just a really, really patented Duke defense. I thought Cameron was walking. I want to give them a shout out. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought that they they really stepped it up and they, the whiteout was huge. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't know how I would feel about it, but I actually really liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, I thought they were great on Saturday too against Boston College. I thought Duke mm-hmm. played very well. It was a game that we, you know, weren't expected to blow them out, and we did. We did just that, uh, unless of course he took Duke minus seventeen and a half. Uh, and then you get the <laughs> AC. Did you bet on that? Oh, no, that's why you bet I, on. I took the plus, baby. I took the plus. I took the plus. I'm good. So that free cashed you out. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> See, this is why I don't bet. I probably would have taken Duke minus 17 and a half. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I, thought, uh, I thought Duke played very well. And I, I want to give a shout-out to Tyrese Proctor. The guy, his stock, you know, we're not going to do mm-hmm. a stock season today, but, shit, like, he's starting to come into his own. His shot looks better every single game. Even the ones that they'll go in, they look better. He's shooting in rhythm. He's playing mm-hmm. with a ton of confidence. And, you know, the more he does that, the more the ball is in his hands. 
you know, moving Jeremy off the ball uh, for large <laughs> stretches. It keeps him fresher. Um, and, you know, the team just runs better with, with Proctor. And, I mean, honestly, they, they, against Boston College, and it is Boston College, so let's take it with a grain of salt. They ran well with Jeremy. Was, they, they had a two-headed point guard that game. Yeah. And it looked great. And it constantly kept BC on their toes. And if we can foster that this entire season, excellent. Like having having those two on the floor, even at the same time Are together. Are you hinting where... it at something next year with your choice of words? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it today, Jack. I'm not. <laughs> but no, no, it's I, I look, I, I like it. I like what they've done. And. I'm just I'm happy with how the perimeter is playing at the moment. Jalen Blake's is still doing the Blake's thing. Grandison has stepped up again. In Cameron, we are great. I think this is going to be a team where we, unlike years past, we haven't defended Cameron extremely well. I think this is going to be a team this year because we play so well in Cameron. I think we're going to defend Cameron this season very well. I can, I can see this team going undefeated in Cameron. Yeah, another another game, 19 assists on 28 made field goals. Mm-hmm. Again, and it's nice we're doing it against somebody oh, other than like Belmont state, you know what I mean? Like usually you know, you'd see that with K teams sometimes. And I'm again, not calling K. I hate, I hate feeling like I'm doing that. I'm not doing that. But with the, like with the super recruits and stuff against those teams, we moved the ball. Great. But when we'd get into a game with Kansas or somebody else, then all of a sudden we get two assists in the game. This, right. this season, like, it was great to see against Ohio state that we got all those assists on made baskets. And it was great to see again with BC that we got a bunch of assists on made baskets. Like that is what this team is going to do this year. And I'm, I'm really happy to see it. And we're not jacking up the three as much. Uh, I know that we did a little bit earlier in the season. I know against BC we took 20, but a lot of those kind of came at the end when the game was mm-hmm. out of reach. Um, they were but, also you know, off kickouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's Again, the and inside is not that bad. Inside out is working. Yeah. You, you got to do the Phil Jackson, Brokeback, Melton uh, offense. <laughs> you know, penetrate and kick out. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're rolling today, boys. Uh, you know, oh, the other thing, Jack, this is a really good free-throw shooting team. This is the best free throw shooting team so far that Duke has had in a very long time. Like, mm-hmm. I I legitimately cannot remember a team where like you can only you can expect them to miss less than five mm-hmm. in a full game. Like even going back to when JJ was at Duke, this yeah. is seventy seven percent right now, man. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. That's high. That is very yeah, high, not, and that is I, not I something we've seen a, in a I should have done a little more homework, but I'd like to know where we are in the country in terms of free throw percentage. Right now, percentage. we're 29th in the country. Okay. It feels um, so good to be top 50. 77% is like, I think that's, this. I guess the, the last decade is the second highest by just like point zero zero three. I think it was. I think uh, the Seth Curry, Mason Plumley team was at like 77-6 or something like that, which is amazing considering Mason Plumley was shooting free throws on that team. Was going to well, yeah, say, yeah. He really, really improved that senior year. He did, he did. Hey, he's a lefty now. Yeah, he, he can't do it now, but, you know, for that one year <laughs> when we needed him. And that's another reason we hate Louisville. Let's be honest here. Duke and Louisville were the two best teams in the country that year, and somehow oh, yeah. they get mashed up in the Elite Eight. I don't know. Yeah. You know Stupid. they wanted that Patino K Elite Eight rematch. Yeah. Right? Oh my god. Fuck it. Um, we should. have. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, again, another nice performance from Duke. I thought Cameron again was really good. And now you know, we, I feel like we're starting to get an understanding exactly what this team is capable of. And you know, we'll talk about Whitehead in a little bit uh, when we talk about practice. But um, you can tell that that's to me the only missing part right now 
I mean, yeah, Lively is uh, we, we've seen we've seen Lively the last few games really show out. Mm-hmm. Not really much difference in his play other than, you know, the guards are finding him, which is something that Shire said the first few games. They were kind of struggling to find Derek Lively on cuts mm-hmm. um, and backdoor, like all like backdoors, anything. Now they're finding him even when he's not cutting to the hoop. He's just standing there in the dunker spot. Proctor wrapping a pass around to him mm-hmm. for a dunk. It's fantastic. Jeremy getting him lobs. Like he's been he's been looking for somebody to pass to on drives all season. He's finally got somebody there. It's like watching Marvin Bagley. They're mm-hmm. looking for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that same package. It's the Bagley package. It's the Mark Williams package. Exactly. They're but they're actively looking for him, which Absolutely. they didn't do the first few games. Absolutely. I think that's that's big piece again of that like interior then look outside offense. Mm-hmm. I think just Whitehead at a hundred percent, which this is something that you know we talked about earlier. Whitehead's going to take some time to get back to a hundred percent. Yeah, and his movements are looking better. He's cutting better. It seems he's still he's he's pretty vertical on defense at times, and I want to see that change a little bit with him. Some of that's conditioning, but and and some of that's awareness. I, I think, but I, I think that's going to get better with time. I, I've said it. I think Iowa's going to be the game where he breaks out. I don't. I'm not saying he's going to get 30 against Iowa, but you're going to see an effective Derek Whitehead against Iowa. I think. And I think that's going to be the start of something special for him. I don't, I don't know that, you know, the following game, um, you know, he, I, don't, I don't know if he just comes out blazing that game too, but I, I think Iowa is going to be very important. Talking, well, I, yeah, I'm going to want to switch gears a little bit here and talk uh, about practice. Um, it's, it's something that John Shire has really emphasized that this team really hasn't had the opportunity to practice. And I think where I will disagree with you here, AC, I don't think that we see that Wade had – moment against Iowa because mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they've had enough time to really get him Whitehead integrated enough because it has to happen during practice. And can, can and, I take a quick stop in the middle of sure. this, uh, this right here? I just want to say we were talking about this earlier today and not long after we were talking about this Whitehead and practice and getting him back into form and everything, he tweets and posts on his Instagram story a quote from Marcus Peters saying that he's stuck it says, I'm going to quote, I'm stuck in this situation of second-guessing myself. I circle the right answer every time, then I go back and erase it and double-check mm-hmm. to see if I got the right answer. Self-doubt is realer than a bitch. <laughs> he says that on mental health struggles coming back from injury. Derek yeah. Whitehead, this is something that we talked about, at least I remember focusing yeah. on a lot as soon as we heard about the injury. Even if he's physically 100%, there's going to be a mental block there, mm-hmm. and it's going to take him some time to get over that. And it seems like that's what's going on, yeah. even if he's fully healthy. On top of the pressure of being a top recruit. Oh, yeah. On top of the pressure of that being certainly someone who's supposed to be help. a top five pick in the draft. All those things, man. And, and that's what I mean. Like, I, We might not see full weight head against Iowa. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we're going to see the, the eventual 25 that we're going to get from Dariq Whitehead. What I think we will see, and you saw it against BC, there were times and there were plays where he recognized exactly what he was supposed to do on offense, that the missed yeah. dunk attempt that got blocked or, whatever, or got tipped that bounced off his leg or whatever when he saw the baseline open up for him. He had a couple drives there. He, he, got, he got out on that break. He's, he's doing things now that he wasn't doing even two weeks ago when he started, started back in the, in the lineup. So there's just that progression that's happening, and it, it doesn't anymore. It doesn't look like it's a physical limitation. It looks like it's a mental limitation. It looks like he doesn't have the chemistry and timing down yet. So, and that speaks to that. That's, and that's, again, that's why I think that he's going to have a nice stretch. It might not be the entire game against Iowa. He's going to have a stretch in this game. that's very important for this team. And we're going to be like, okay, 
it's coming. There's the reek. And I think fans are going to overreact to it. They're going to be like, oh, he's back. He's back. He's not going to be fully back yet. It's one game. And to be honest with you, though, like I I hope that they do overreact because they're overreacting right now. And he probably sees the hate that he's getting there. And he sees the hate that they were given Lively. Now all of a sudden, Lively's back, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, whoa, guys. We're trying to figure out how to play here, and he was out for five weeks. Lively went from Chase Jeter and Casey Sanders to like he's back. (laughs) I just want to go back to it. Let's go to practice because we're we're trying to talk about practice. Shout out to uh, to my city's legend AI. (laughs) Um, Duke has after the game on Saturday. Duke has two games the rest of the calendar year. They Mm -hmm. have the twentieth and thirty first. Mm-hmm. So that is a three-week span where they have two games, holiday break for a few days, but other than that, practice. Yep. And they'll be able that's to show what, a dozen practices in there. And what do you think mm-hmm. that that's going to do for, for Whitehead? Are you, like, Absolutely. That's all he needs. Absolutely. And then we get to, we get after all that, we get to play Florida State to, to begin the rest of our ACC schedule, which right now, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. We got Wake, Wake first, and then oh, that's right, Wake is first. That's right, Wake is first. That's going to be a bigger challenge. But yeah, no, it is. Deep I'm confident good. in this team. I think Whitehead's going to have had ten days at that point. Lively's mm-hmm. going to have time. He's going to be even better than he is right now because mm-hmm. he yep. he hasn't had many practices since he Wait, came. Well, out. Talking about yeah, talking about the practice situation, you can see the the light starting to turn on for Lively. So like yeah, after coming up of the PK disappointment. Everybody was writing him off. Then you can start to see the the wheels turning, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like running up to to Whitehead's tweet, Jack, um, or Instagram, wherever it was. It was like, both. <laughs> yes, yeah, so like he's he's you know the the wheels are turning too slow, and he's got them guessing himself. Lively's now turned the page there, right? And I'm sure that you know Shire has been critical in that, but for for Whitehead, to me, it, it does start with practice. And then, you know, John eventually is just going to have to say, you know what, now is the time for you to be integrated as a starter. This is what we're going to work on in practice. From that from that start of that 10 days or 12 days, whatever that they'll have, I, I feel like that's when he's going to Im- implement Whitehead as a starter and work the team through that. Who do you think goes out? Mitchell. If he continues playing the way he has been playing, do you take him out of the starting lineup, honestly? Yeah, it's tough with, with an uh, unproven whitehead. Still, he'll still, he'll still, I, I, it's tough because I, I love Mitchell and he just does so many good things. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to take out Flip and you're not going to take out Lively. So right. Do you take out Trevor Keels for an unproven Griffin? I mean, they did. <laughs> they did. They did. And I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, I think Mark coming in. I think Mark coming in probably knew. Hey, you're you're going to be a six man on this team. And he, he probably knew that. I, I can't imagine well, he didn't know that with, yeah. with who was supposed to be here and everything else. But, I mean, th- th- that's that's going to be – I think that's going to be John's first big, like truly big head coaching move is is what do you do with that situation. And it's going to say a lot about how he's going to operate, and it's going to say a lot. And, and if he can make it work, it's going to say a lot about his ability as a coach. If it's – you know, if, if we get – you know, the pouting and the same old story, like, oh, he pouted for a couple weeks and then he got it together. Like, okay, that's just, that's on the players and such. But this is going to say a lot about John. I think it's going to say a lot about him with, with what he's going to do. It's going to be a big, that's a big decision. It truly is. Yeah. So, like, Mitchell right now plays about 23 minutes a game, um, mm-hmm. averages nine and a half points. He's our third leading scorer. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you have to instill, and, and I don't think there's anybody better to be able to relay this message than John Shire. 
Mm -hmm. Okay, man, I I willingly took a six man role. He yeah. played more minutes on that team, if I remember correctly, than anybody else. He did. He led team in minutes. Right, and and you know that was coming off. Of, you're still gonna. So my point is that he's still gonna get his minutes. He's still mm -hmm. gonna get his twenty to twenty five minutes. Yep. He's still gonna get his same shots, and he'll be able to. He'll he'll come in probably for lively or or something like that. Like it doesn't right. necessarily have to be. You can play with with Whitehead. Right. Right. I, I no, like I Mitchell. I like Mitchell as a super six man because he can yeah. come in for he can come too. in for any single one of the starters yeah. and yeah. it won't matter because of the versatility that the team has. You can move Proctor over the one, take out Jeremy. You can take out Whitehead and you have the backcourt Mitchell and that's just the current starting five. You take out one of the big guys and then you have Mitchell at the four. Mm -hmm. You take out proctor you just slide whitehead over the two yeah there's enough versatility on this team that mitchell can literally sub in for anyone mm -hmm. so i and think super we talked six about, man is his perfect role this is exactly what we talked about to begin the season like preseason we talked about this we were like this team ceiling has mark mitchell coming off as a six man things changed a little bit with how well he played off the start but now that things have settled down again I think I think we need to go back to our preseason expectations a little bit of what we like. This team is playing out basically how we thought that they would, except for I think the defense has been better than we could have ever anticipated. I mean, we outside were also of that. Yeah, we outside were also, of that. Sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. Outside of that, I was going to say just real quick. Outside of that, this is exactly who we thought this team would be. Yes. The one thing is we were talking about Mitchell as exclusively a four, basically. And, you know, mm -hmm. he's playing he's playing a lot of three. He is, but I, I still think this team's ceiling includes him at the four, mostly. I, I agree, and that's part of the coming off the bench thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Look, I, I I agree. I think I think this team is best with him coming off the bench, not Whitehead. However, I, I'm just, I'm just saying it's it's going to be a difficult decision and conversation for John to have, unless he's already started that process. Like, has he already started talking to him about this coming? And ho hopefully, he has. I'm confident he has. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about Shire is that he's, he's very, you know, direct with you, and he'll mm -hmm. tell you the truth. And that was kind of one of the strengths of her coach, Kay, too. He was very direct. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> rubbed a lot of the players the wrong way, but, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, at least he was a he was little off. more than direct from what it yeah. sounds like. Right. Um, but, but you're right, yeah, though. You're right. Yeah, I think Shire is like the perfect guy to be able to relay that kind of uh, message. Uh, mm -hmm. We did see it for the first time, I believe. I don't know if it was Ohio State or BC. When we, it was Ohio State where we had all five freshmen. Yeah. Uh, not all, but, you know, the five that play. We had a five freshman um, lineup, yeah. Yeah. The, the, and so that also instills to, to Mitchell that, hey, I, I got no problem putting you out there with, with four other freshmen. I trust mm -hmm. you enough. And, you know, Jack, you talked about versatility as a team, but, you know, Mitchell might be the most versatile player we had. Defensively speaking, he has to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a guy who we've seen it. He can go out there and defend on the perimeter really well. Mm -hmm. He can get in the passing lanes a little bit, and you know he thrives in transition. Obviously, then he can also go down in the low post and uh, take a little bit of contact. He can get back down, and he'll he'll kind of fight back on that on mm -hmm. the block, and he'll he'll block a shot or two. He's he's really great, versatile. Like he can really defend one through five. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a true he's a true Swiss Swiss Army knife when it comes to that type of thing. And again, he he has done he's done the work. Like the, he's done the work in the weight room. He's done the work on the court. Clearly, like it's I, I I'm really happy with how Mark Mitchell has, has panned out this season. I, I 
I didn't think he'd be as good as he is based on like his size, based on how skinny he was coming in, but he took to that weight program. He's done a great job. Yeah, and so I guess kind of finishing this one up, uh, when we do have that big stretch there uh, of 12 days or whatever it is without a game, what do you? What, what's the one thing that you think Shire will do with that time other than trying to integrate Whitehead? What do you think they, do you think he just tries to emphasize that we keep exactly what we're doing, that we're, we're, what we're seeing right now with the, the inside out? Or do you think he tries to add a couple more layers in? I think we'll improve upon the zone offense. That still has been pretty inefficient when we've played it. We've gotten some decent shots off of it, but a lot of that has been individual plays. So I, I think you'll see the zone offense become a, a better offense. I'd I'd love to see him kind of continue with working with that press. Like we we had to use that press against Purdue a little bit. If we can press some teams with the speed and length this team has, we'll be incredibly dangerous. And and, and really just, can, I think, continuing on working on some of the in, individual skills, the shooting, people getting in their shooting spots. I think you'll see Lively probably take a few more threes after after that long break. I, I think you'll see. I think you'll see some plays like that. You know what I mean? I, I think you'll see some of the individual talents that these guys have starting to creep forward a little bit because when in, in January, February, you need that man. You can't you can't totally rely on the playbook in, in those months, and you definitely can't rely on it when it comes to March. March is all about players making plays. So that that's going to be something down the stretch. I, I want to see this team continue to to, con, to continue to work with. Yeah, I think uh, I think that that's right. And and for this team, I think the sky is the limit. We we haven't even scratched the surface of what we have the potential to be. It doesn't necessarily mean that we'll get there, mm-hmm. but our ceiling is, is is much higher today than I thought it would be before the season. And and again, a lot of that does have to do with with Mitchell um, and the way that he's performed. And then of course, and I mean, flip. We haven't even said, right, flip. So we haven't been, said anything, yeah. right? So, like, nobody expected this. And if they, if they said that they did, they're lying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially after the, the Jiveny and, and Rothstein and Katz reports coming out that, oh, he can't even play basketball. Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. And then he just won his uh, fourth straight uh, rookie, ACC rookie of the, of the week. So First he player ever to do four straight to open a season. Damn, think about that. Like, looks Zion to be a Williams, C-Rookie Marge of the year. I think he might uh, be. Vernon Carey, like, like well, all of these I mean, guys. To be fair back. to all of those guys, there was some good competition on their team. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, truly. Like, truly. Not, even across the, like, not even across the conference. RJ and Zion. Right. Like, they kind of switched. I think they switched off the first four weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was something. Vernon something Cassius. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now we always keep a pocket of freshmen, man. It's just like, he, I mean, he is—he's the backbone of this team on offense right now, and, he, and defensively, he really he's been playing is. well. And he plays with so much confidence, you yeah. know. Like even the shots, like he doesn't want anything fluster him. If he misses a shot, he doesn't care. He goes right back to it. Like Duke and, and Dirk, that's baby. Kind of, that's kind of what you want to see from Wade. Jack, Jack with the Dirk call, man. Look, let, let's just whatever Jack has said, man. Let's just go with it, bro. <laughs> like, well, yeah, that's actually a pretty good transition to talking about college basketball as a whole here. Um, I want to give the prognosticator himself, Jack, a lot of credit because not only was he spot on uh, in sharing my opinion about UNC, but he was spot on about fucking Gonzaga. So I'm just going to hand the mic over to you, Jack. Take it. 
This is the most parity we've seen in college basketball since the 2019-20 season when it was mm-hmm. wide open. When Kentucky lost at home to Evansville, when Duke lost to Stephen F. Austin, mm-hmm. when Kansas was like the number one team for the majority of the season, but I don't think there was ever a unanimous one. Mm-mm. When Obi Toppin and Dayton were top three, when San Diego State <laughs> was undefeated for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. That that year, college basketball wide open this year. Houston, the number one team in the country right now, and I think the best team in the country, yep. was losing to Kent State. Kent yep. State yeah. for a long time. I, I mean, like, Indiana just, Indiana just beat Carolina and got the brakes blown off them by Rutgers. Yeah. Shouts to Rutgers. I told you all about Rutgers. You did. You did. <laughs> and I knew you were going to try to get that one in there. I had to, man. I had to do it, man. Um, just, just look around. Look around. The preseason number one team, although they shouldn't have been number one, a team that should have been ranked preseason regardless has lost four straight games. Mm-hmm. Like, this and is incredible. Now unranked. Yes. Now unranked with only one vote. Yes. One and Gonzaga, point. And Gonzaga is the other team that they basically, you know, had the most uh, first place votes uh, other than Carolina. They've lost three three games already. Blowing yeah, out. Yeah, like they're they're going Blowing toward out. the bottom. They're they're going trending toward being unranked for the first time in like seven years. Mm-hmm. And they have the best player in college basketball. What? Supposedly. Come on, bro. Supposedly, <laughs> look no, no, the way he plays and the way they player. ref him. <laughs> You're right. You're not wrong. Drew Timmy You're is the wrong. most productive and I think best player in college basketball. That being West said, Coast Hansborough. Yeah, that's that's what he is. But Hansborough was a two-time National Player of the Year, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Not deservedly so, by the way. He wasn't even no, the best not at all. Team but, that season like when you had Brandon Wright there. On his own team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. The point is, Gonzaga is trending toward being unranked when they have yeah. arguably the best player that no, they've no, had. Right. The best player they've had in this like stretch since they first got back into the poll. Mm-hmm. And they're about mm-hmm. to fall out the poll. Good. Uh, UVA. <laughs> so, right now. Uh, we were wrong on Virginia two, first. I just want to get that out there. Teams in the ACC are ranked. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Louisville already. They're garbage. Uh, Florida State garbage, uh, yeah. UNC garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami's starting to pick it up a little bit. Miami Virginia should Tech, be ranked. Yeah, mm-hmm. Miami should be ranked. Virginia Tech. Um, we predicted that too, but UVA obviously has been much better, and they're actually scoring the ball, which is right. I guess kind of scary. Yeah, they're not playing blocker mover exclusively anymore. Like they they have the they're playing to their like Tony Bennett's playing to his guys' strengths at the moment. Like McNeely is shooting the threes that he should be shooting. Like they're they're letting their guys do work, man. Like hats off to Tony Bennett. He recognized the problem and he has thus far fixed it. I'm interested to see in the ACC season if their their run continues because the ACC teams are definitely used to the style of defense that they play more than other teams in the nation. And you know, so it's it'll be interesting to see. You know, everybody kind of is going to pack line, like or at least some form of pack line. A lot a lot of teams are. But it, it'll be interesting to see if, if in the ACC season, if they continue this. Like, if, if they continue this, and it's yeah, absolutely, it's legit, like, no question about it. But I, I am interested to see if the ACC teams handle UVA a little better than others have. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen, uh, we got a first-hand look at Purdue uh, and how good they are. Uh, we know mm-hmm. Houston's good. Texas is good. UConn is good. 
Um, yeah. Sanchez is still right there. Uh, Sonoma was incredibly impressive. Yeah, man. I just want to get I'm that still high on Baylor, even though they lost. Right now, Baylor's still a good team. Like like you said, Jackson Nogo is he's he's such a good player. And then they have uh, what's his he's name? He's fun um, to watch. Um, the the big center. Uh, what's his name? Donovan. Um, I forget his, his name. name though. But yeah, he's he's been he's been balling. You know, Dan Hurley, really talented coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Him and his brother, great. Shout out, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> lot, I mean, a lot of people wanted Bobby Hurley to to be the next head coach. Bobby wanted Bobby to be the next dude. Yeah, he, sure yeah. Did. yeah. I didn't want Bobby to be next. I did not either. I thought that that was that was a little too much uh, testosterone uh, for the yeah. song. I think that that would probably been a been a mistake. Especially when like guy, yeah. you're talking about Klingon, right? Yeah, Klingon, Diamond Klingon. Seven two. Yeah, he's yep. he's fun. He's balling, man. He's like he's kind of like Edie Light, man. Gets to the line, hits his free throws. He does all that dirty work down low. Like he's this this. They call it the year of the center during the PK eighty five. And if you watch the Maui, they were talking about it as well. It kind of truly is, man. Oh, this it is, is one of the first years in a while that, and I, and I think that kind of speaks to the parity of the league. If we're really being honest, like guards are what rule college basketball. It's been that way for decades. We know that this season that's not the case. Like you have a bunch of like really good centers who have stuck around and, and stuck it out on programs and teams and stuff. And now you're seeing the fruits of that labor and, and you're not seeing as many great guards at the moment. So I, I think that's probably kind of speaks to some of the parody that we have too. Yeah, like uh, look around. There's Edie, there's uh Hunter Dickinson, mm-hmm. Sonogo and Klingon both. I mean, Sonogo's listed yep. as a forward, but he's, he plays the five. You got Xavier um, centers. Yeah. Shibway uh, also. Shibway. I mean, our, our centers, let's put yeah, our up centers. there. Let's, gotta, let's put us there. That Duke center rotation is absolutely, bro. Got to be up there. It's it's all over the nation. Arizona, their bigs right now are playing Timmy? incredibly well, dude. Arizona's bigs might be. <laughs> they're two of the best in the nation, man. That's they're also so good. true. They're, they're yeah, so good, dude. Timmy they're and Baycott, although I hate to admit it for either of them, they are yeah. both up there. It's all like, over the place, man. It's, it's a bigs world right now in yeah. college ball, which is. Creighton's team still runs around their center. He's not great, but they run around him, and I think that's part of their problem, honestly. But it's in Florida. I mean, they should got, be playing through. Shire, you got Castleton in Florida. Like it's it's everywhere, man. Like like you're every, like we're saying, every all the teams in uh, most teams in the nation right now that are really succeeding have some form of post presence. I mean, you got to think about it. people aren't playing through the post. The big guys want to be KD. Mm-hmm. You get a guy who's able to play like a true center. Imagine Vernon Carey. Yeah. Against the centers net like it's only been a couple of years. But imagine Vernon Carey against the centers in the ACC today. Yeah. He would have dominated like he did that season. And that season was a big heavy season, if we remember correctly. Yeah. That was another season where Kansas was, Kansas's team was based on their big man play. Yeah, it was that as was a one, the number one team in the nation. Also Obi. Yeah. Obi played center. Yep. Speaking of college basketball. Uh, AC, you brought it up, right, that the CBA now for the NBA, this is kind of a shocker. They Mm -hmm. kept the one-year rule in place, which is good for college basketball because you're going to continue to see, you know, these stud freshmen, Mm -hmm. you know, come in and play at minimum one year. Um, So while I don't agree with the actual decision, I think they should be able to go. uh, I think it's awesome for college basketball. No, it's great for fans, and – they got to be here for a year. Some of those guys are going to go. Some are going to flame out and stay in college for a couple of years. Like, like has what's been happening. You'll have a couple guys go to the overtime elite league and all those things still like that'll still happen. 
so we won't get some of those guys in college. But we, we don't, you know, we don't need them. It's fine. Like college is going to do what it does. But no, no, it's 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 great for college. I think it is good for the development of these kids. I mean, I think it continues to foster the idea that the NCAA is really that's that's the minor leagues, not so much overtime elite and all the other things that are happening. But nah, man, and and it opens some doors for some of the guys that Duke has been recruiting that I didn't think we'd have a chance at because of that. So I, I'm I'm excited for Duke because what Duke does is going to continue to roll and continue to look the way it has looked. Well, you know, Jack, it's like it was it's huge for Duke kind of building off of that point. You know, we just kind of figured that guys like Cameron Boozer wouldn't be mm-hmm. around because the, the rule would have gone um, gone away. So now that opens, you know, the door for that potential, you know, monster class. I mean, Cooper Flagg literally right. compared himself to Grayson Allen. Yeah, dude. Bro, I can't. Like, I don't even want to. I don't even want to start talking about that. Look, that season. They are. They're sophomores. Oh my god. They're sophomores. Yeah. Let's not. Let's not get into that. Anyway, I'm gonna counter. I'm gonna counter you guys. (laughs) We'll get to Mac. Not you too. Counter. (laughs) I kind of want to counter and say that while obviously it's great to have these incredible talents in college ball, I kind of think that the sport was better when guys could just go straight to the NBA because you're going to have, for the most part, guys who are there year to year. Chemistry is going to improve. The game is going to be more fluid because these guys know their system and their teammates very well. And the fans know this year to year. Yeah, I think the portal kind of next I think the portal changes things, but not nearly as much as people are like making it out to be. Look, like, yeah, a lot of guys transfer, a lot more don't. So you got to think about that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's pretty important. I mean, more more players do not transfer than actually transfer. The thing, I, the, the, like when we had the one and done rule in college, and I was like, maybe maybe it was because basketball didn't have a direction after Jordan because it didn't for that for a while there, and then the Warriors kind of changed the game. So then there became a direction again. College basketball was ugly in that span. It 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 really wasn't. It wasn't great. Like, but you had name brand recognition, like you're saying. Like you had guys that stuck around for three and four years. JJ Redick, yeah. Like there there was name brand recognition for sure. But I I think I think the media and I think fans have adjusted to the one and done era, especially when you get super players coming in like Zion, like Paulo. You know, like some of the guys we've seen on some of the other teams too. And and you you still have who would be NBA starters when they're years old. But you still have your Timmys. You still have like right now, Timmy. Yeah, like college is ruled this season. It's ruled this season by multi-year players at the moment. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, yeah. Like at the end of the day, I think having the multi-year players makes college basketball more fun to watch and Mm -hmm. less power, like less top-heavy. I do. I do think that. Yeah, I, I do think that the NIL is still working itself out right now, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen this. Yeah, we haven't seen this kind of um, morph into what I thought it would be a little bit earlier. But I think that that will keep other players, fringe players that would otherwise leave. I think that will keep them around. So to your point, Jack, I think that we will see more guys stick around for longer periods than mm-hmm. they otherwise would have. Yes. And and the influx of younger coaches too, like 
yeah out like the the old dogs moving out has been you, you've seen a change you have definitely seen a change with how happy the players are like the mental health side of it where you know the older guys haven't they haven't been able to jump on and grasp that whole concept yet right. so as we as we start phasing in the new the new era of coaches i i, I think that also speaks to the, just the direction of the sport yeah you'll, you'll get rid of guys of that, sorry yeah. tk Speaking of that, shout out to Jim Beheim, who is now in his fifth season after the one he promised he would retire in. Yeah, you know, just sitting over there in, on the sideline, picking his nose, just trying to get himself back. Ruining his program. What? What is this he dude, doing, man? He's driving them into the ground because he refuses to recruit on NIL, and yeah. he like he's running a zone when everyone wants to shoot the three now. And what is he again, doing? This is the guy. He's. He's he just wants to get back to a thousand wins. That's oh. all he's doing. Like, that's just cold. He is. He did. He's back. He's already back. Right. Well, he's at eleven hundred. He's done now. Don't call him anymore. He's dead now. Uh, you know, he's whatever. He wants uh, to pass K. I think. I think at this point, he wants to pass K. He's not well, going to do that for ten years, like, uh, right? Like at the rate uh, he wins like eight games a year now. So yeah. even if he wins twenty, just, he's. I think he just got back to a thousand. Yeah, okay. he's gonna I'm, have if he has twenty, he has to have 10, 20 win seasons to get up to K. He's K's at twelve oh two. You're not wrong. Yeah, that won't that won't happen. Um, if anybody does it, Beheim will. Not sure. I, yeah, whatever. I, yeah, he'll have some Beheim grandchildren on his roster, bro. Probably true. Um, <laughs> all right, so we got we got two games that we want to preview for you guys before we get on out of here. Um, Let's play. We play Iowa tomorrow night. 9.30 p.m. would be the earliest that I believe will... It's probably going to be a 10 o'clock game. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, right? Uh, yeah. Which I hate, but mm-hmm. um, Iowa, a senior, huge Hawkeye guy. Um, <laughs> you know, talk, talk about the Hawkeyes. They're a good squad, man. They only have one loss. They have they have a star in Chris Murray, Keegan Murray's brother. He's kind of taken over that mantle, the twin. So he's he's there doing his work. This it's He's going to be a, a very important factor for this game, and, and I think Unlike Edie, who is just some different monster that you can't deal with, he is a more conventional player to guard. Yeah, he's going to be all over the floor and stuff, but we have the size, we have the length to be able to handle him, pause. So I, I, I really pause. do think that Chris Chris Murray is the key to stopping them. Their one loss this season, he was, I want to say he was like two for eight from the floor or something like that, two for six from three. He only got like two shots off. That's going to be the key, man. Deny him the ball, really make his life miserable. He'll see a mix of Grandison, Mitchell, uh, maybe even a smaller player like Roach. Or I don't know that you have to go that route because you have lengthy guys like Proctor who can also play him too. Jalen Blakes might be on him some, but that six ten wingspan, I, I think he can he can guard Murray effectively. The key is not getting in foul trouble. The guy's a really good free throw shooter. He gets to the line a lot, and he's effective from three. It's a forty one percent free throw shoot, a three point shooter. So he's a big factor. The rest of that team plays off of what he does. It's the same old Iowa for McCaffrey. They stand on the perimeter, drive and dish to the outside, kickouts. They don't really have a big this season to draw you down, so we'll be able to play them on the perimeter. So I, I do see this as a game that we can win fairly comfortably. Their three-point shooting ability is going to keep them in the game. I still think we can win by 10. So I'm, I'm going to say Duke 80, 80 to 70. The spread right now is anywhere from two and a half to three. Uh, mm-hmm. So Vegas obviously believes this one is going to be close, but 146 and a half uh, over under. Um, so it should be a little bit higher scoring to your point. I think uh, it'll be under, by the way. Be, oh, yeah. It's ha- with Duke's defense, it should be. Yeah. You, you predicted the, the over then. 
I did say 80-70. I'm, I'm, no, I'm breaking that down. 70-65. I'm taking it down. 70-65. You're right. right. You're right. Jack, Jack, what do you got? I was going to say probably about 74 to 68. Um, they have, uh, you know, they run eight deep, and a quarter of their rotation players are the coach's sons. So that's just something to monitor. Um, yeah. Uh, the Bayheim situation. <laughs> Unironically, same thing, yes. Yep. Um, Murray's really good. Perkins is an okay point guard. Uh, Rebraca's a talented big guy. You've got eight boards a game and a block and a half. Um, that being said, he's gonna be he's gonna foul out. With he our probably bigs. will with three with three Duke bigs to go at him. He probably yeah. will. Um, I, I'm gonna be at the Garden tomorrow night watching, getting ready. Oh, so you know we got the win then. Right. I'm also gonna yeah, be at the game up. on uh, Saturday against Eastern Shore, so we'll get to She's that. She's just but... making the rounds. <laughs> I, I got lucky. I got lucky. Um, so but we get... I think yeah. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. Again, I said like 74-68. That's uh, you know, Murray's gonna have his hands uh have his hands full having to deal with having to deal with Grandison probably who has checked him in the past. Mm-hmm. Ryan Young also has experience against Iowa, so uh, just like against Ohio State, I expect to see a lot of those two. Um, I think I think that's gonna be a pretty big key to the game. For being honest, is the guys who know this team. Mm-hmm. Also, again, Iowa first team out of the poll at twenty six, so. So I'm keeping an eye on these are talented bunch that could be ranked for sure. Uh, and, and we're, I just want to make sure that everybody knows here. We're not telling you who to bet on. We're just telling you who we bet on. So please. Spend <laughs> I, I don't, bet. I don't bet. So I'm just saying my own predictions. Um, if I could bet, I can't bet in the uh, state of North Carolina, but if I could, I would take the over because I don't think anybody that bets the unders are just losers and they're not fun. Uh, <laughs> 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 you fans. Give me Duke 78, 71. Um, so I think Duke covers and takes the over. Um, my history in betting, though, I would uh, advise you, if you were betting, to take uh, the opposite of anything I ever do. Uh, see, see. Um, but, uh, okay, so then the game Saturday, which uh, Jack has announced that he will be uh, in Cameron again for that one. Mm-hmm. Against uh, AC Year School here in UMES. <laughs> Uh, five thirty game on Saturday. Tell me about the what is it? A hawk? <laughs> <laughs> it is the hawks. Yeah, Maryland Eastern yeah. Shore. The hawks. Yeah, Maryland Eastern Shore Hawks. Man. Yeah. Now they're they're a terrible team. They're one of the worst teams in the NCAA. <laughs> they're better than Louisville. Yeah, they are better than Louisville. They're higher in the That's NET true. than Louisville. Um, they are they are a truly a terrible team <laughs> like they're bad man but like they're small they're bad <laughs> they're they're gonna get run out of cameron i this will i'm this is i'm predicting this is our only 100 point game of the season i think we hang 100 on them they have no, they have no way to defend us they're already a bad defensive team anyway uh just I, i'm done give me give me duke 102 give me maryland eastern store 55 yeah i got 96 51 here um <laughs> i'm gonna go 104 to 64 this is the team that i always scheduled when i was playing college hoops 2k8 and i wanted to win no matter how bad my program was <laughs> they haven't improved and it's been 15 years at all i mean at all 
Poor Maryland Eastern Shore. I mean, they came on, you know, they're just trying to get their money by going to Cameron. And we're hey, they are getting their money and they're getting the chance to play at Cameron. Good for them, yep. honestly. There you go. There you go. I appreciate that. Uh, all right, so that's what we got. A couple wins, hopefully, for, for Duke here. Enjoy the game there, Jack. Go Duke. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke.